Transfer Silly Season is well underway. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City Podcast. Dave Freezer here, joined by Paddy Davitt and our EDP and Even News columnist, David Hannon, to go through what has been, quite frankly, a ridiculous amount of transfer speculation. Um, and considering the season is over and a lot of players are off on their holidays, it hasn't been remotely quiet, so we've got absolutely loads to go through. But but first, gentlemen, how are we doing, Dave? Um, I see you're actually in our office, which isn't somewhere that we've um, we've we've ventured very much so far. Yeah, I think it's the only the second time I've come into a to work a shift in the last four or five months, and that's not to say I haven't been working, but <laughs> you know, um, trying to as little as possible, obviously. But <laughs> yeah, it's only second shift I've come into. To look around Archant Towers, uh, if we can still call it that. <laughs> <laughs> Quite. Well, yeah. Work in between all the transfer rumours. Yeah. Um, Pat, how are you? Good, mate. Yeah, good. Uh, got got a bit of golfing yesterday, mate. That's something close to your heart, DF, I know. Excellent. Uh, I might clarify, I was on a golf course. I wouldn't cl- classify it as, as golf the way I was swinging the club and losing balls left, right and centre. But... Uh, <laughs> It's always nice. I just am very, uh, very uh, occasional golfer. But when the weather's like this, get some fresh air. And um, actually realised halfway around I was missing the playoff final. So, uh, but I did manage to see the business end. Uh, that was some goal that first one, wasn't it? Been a right foot with a Brentford keeper. It was. He really caught him out, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, pl- I played golf a few uh, about three weeks ago. First time I picked up a club in about eighteen months. Sorry. Was on the Yarmouth seafront or um... no, 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 proper golf. Um, Wensum Valley, and it was uh, awful. I was terrible, and it was a really busy course as well. So we felt like we'd really been hurried round. And I played again last week, and uh, we played at the old Royal Norwich course, and um, um, it, it was much quieter. And I actually felt like I knew what I was doing. So um, <laughs> it was um, it was much more enjoyable. But uh, yeah, gorgeous weather at the moment. Um, right, let's get stuck into it. And since the last pod, um, we of course have had a rather major bit of transfer news confirmed um, very quickly as well. And Kieran Dow signed permanently from Everton. And I think the reaction on this one, Pad, has been really positive for the fans, hasn't it? Well, I mean, you look, you look at the man's pedigree. He's aged 22, so he's got his old career in front of him, where he plays in the pitch, the type of player he is. You see the showreel. Um, and also the fact that you know, he was with Everton's Academy since the age of seven, so so he's had a really good grounding. Uh, Top-end Premier League Academy, very well-respected Everton. There we go, back to Wayne Rooney. They managed to put produce him and one or two others along the way, so he's, he's learnt the right way. And, of course, he was part of that England squad that won the FIFA Under-20 World Cup in, in 2017. So I can see why there's a lot of excitement. I, I have a slight caveat that, he hasn't really kicked on, I don't think. And that might have just been he hasn't found the right club and we all hope that is Norwich. But for for a guy with that sort of pedigree, you'd have thought maybe by now, 22, you know, in, in football in terms, we've seen with Norwich's young guns and that isn't particularly young now. You, 22, you need to be really playing regularly week in, week out. Um, and he had a lot of championship loan spells. So, uh, and not all of them went well. I think the Wigan one, the last one he had, seemingly went, went reasonably well. But he... Derby early part of last season and that by his own admission in the, in the post-match uh, sorry the post-signing quotes he said that didn't go very well so um, 
to me, he's a player who who has all the tools to be to be something special. I think if Farker can work his magic, and I thought that was interesting actually going back to what he what he said when he was interviewed was that he's seen how Farker's really had that positive impact on an Aaron's, a Cantwell, a Lewis, Godfrey, uh, and he wants a bit of that. And why wouldn't you? Because with all of those aforementioned players, Daniel has, has seen something in them and, and developed them and given them the platform and they've responded. So, yeah, I, I can see why of all the signings that have come in so far, that's the one that's probably piqued the interest. And of course, uh, unusually, it was it was completely kept under wraps, which is very rare nowadays, you know. Um, so that probably added to the excitement that it was so unexpected. There was, there'd been no chatter really prior to, and then suddenly, bang, whatever day it was last week, is our, is our latest signing. And, and on the face of it, a, a guy who could come in and really improve Norwich in an area of the pitch, let's be honest, Duda didn't work. Steeperman didn't work in the Premier League. Um, we don't know where Buendia and Cantwell are going to be. So in an area of the pitch where I think Norwich needed to do something. Um, and so there's a lot of positive vibes around this. But let's just reserve a little bit of judgment because he is still only young and he, and he hasn't really had a settled period in his career with all these loan moves. So one maybe to get excited about, but maybe not expect him to come in and from day one in the championship being the main man. But uh, yeah, I like it. And I think most, most Norwich fans that I've seen reaction from are very happy with it. I mean, Mr. Hannon will probably give his, his view of it as well. But uh, yeah, I think of the batch they brought in, him, him and Poheta for me are the two that stand out um, because I think by common consent, they, they wasn't good enough. The stats tell you they wasn't good enough, albeit it was the Premier League, not the championship, but they wasn't good enough in the top end of the pitch and they needed to do something, and these are two positive moves. Yeah, he definitely looks a Farker player to me, and with it being confirmed, or the business being done so quickly, we've not seen any mention of a fee, have we? He only had a year left on his contract, so I'd imagine it's probably low seven figures, you know, something just over a million, something like that, but that's just completely um, special. No, no. Well, I mean, I can, I can throw in a bit of, I mean, you you wouldn't be too far away with that yeah. figure. Yeah, low low one millions, yeah. But that's obviously the initial fee and there'll be a series of add-ons. But, you know, it'll only hit them if he's performing and Norwich are performing. So, yeah, on, on, the, on the financial side of it, great deal, great deal. Yeah, um, he was nominated for Championship Player of the Month um, on the day that he was unveiled, actually. Um, he's also subsequently won Wigan's Goal of the Season competition for a brilliant volley. He scored a hat-trick when they smashed Hull 8-0. I think it's five goals in 12 games. So, uh, Dave, what do you make of this? Well, I, I, th- I think a lot of people were pleased to see an established name coming in because, you know, Pojeta and Sorensen, they sound um, like interesting players, certainly on, on paper, but we don't know a great deal about them. We've seen Kieran Dow playing against Norwich for Sheffield United for Forest so um, you you happy with this one? Yeah well that's that's the kind of key thing isn't it is you know having someone who hopefully should be able to hit the ground running in the um, in in the championship I mean when you when you, the way that we've recruited in the past um, obviously it brings you players like Buendia and we never really knew straight away whether Buendia would hit the ground running in the championship whereas you know Kieran Dowley is going to know exactly what to expect from the league. He'll know how to play in it. And um, I think it's, it's, it's funny. He seems, you know, it's experienced, but on the same hand is, is still young, got a lot to prove. And in, in a weird way, perhaps the spell that didn't go too well at Derby, um, you know, might well help him because he will hopefully be able to identify why it didn't work, what he needs to do differently, how he needs to grow from it. Um, you sometimes worry about seeing young players who have got 
several diff- have different loan spells. I mean, Patrick Roberts is another one who, you know, seems to have been loaned left, right and centre and never really done anything. But um, I think with Dowell, um, particularly signing him on a permanent basis, A, is a very confidence, not getting another loan period. And he's going to, you know, hopefully find a home here. Yeah, I, I like the look of him. But um, we'll park Dow for the moment. And what we're going to do at the end of the pod, uh, I'll bring you a bit of audio. I had a chat with um, a Wigan podcaster last week and he gave some really good insight into Dow. So I'll play that audio right at the, at the end of the pod. Um, but we are recording Wednesday morning and it's quite literally been a busy 12 hours before the record in terms of transfer speculation. Um, firstly, uh, Jamal Lewis, uh, strongly now linked from Liverpool, um, had already been sort of tentatively linked in recent months, but uh, this came from The Independent late on Tuesday night and from a reporter called Melissa Reddy, who is very well known as being well connected to Liverpool. So uh, people have been taking this one seriously. Uh, talking about a, a £10 million fee, which presume would be uh, an initial um, fee with with more to be put on top of that and the potential for a young lad from Liverpool called Yasser Larucci who is a uh, Algerian born France under 19 international he was expected to leave Liverpool last um, uh, this summer and has been linked with Leeds and Brentford so really um, there's been this raft of national reports all of a sudden uh, come out almost like Liverpool have, have briefed a load of national journalists on, on what they're trying to get done and um, it's almost like a bit of a swap deal is, is potentially in the offering with that one. And I'll come back to you on this one, Dave, to start with, because then I know Paddy's got quite a lot of sound on the next um, element we're going to come to. But Jamal to Liverpool, I mean, he clearly is only going to be back up to start with for Andrew Robinson. But um, I think Norwich fans would, would find it hard to, to begrudge him that move, wouldn't they? Yes and no. I mean, I always, you know, you always want to see... Players go, if, if they're going to leave, you want to see them go and play football. You want to see them do well. So you can kind of almost have that pride saying, well, he, he was made by Norwich City. Um, but um, he's like you say, he's not going to play a heap, heaps of football at Liverpool. It would be a strange, for, for me, maybe a step too soon for him. And um, personally, I'd prefer to see him go somewhere where he is going to play a lot of football, maybe as a stepping stone to Liverpool, who will then hopefully pay a lot more and put a bit more in our pocket so we can get two whacks of a transfer fee, I suppose is one way of looking at it. But I suppose when Liverpool come knocking, particularly champions of England, as champions of England, you can't really turn it down. Um, but it's, I don't know why you'd want to go and sit on a bench, even if it is a, a club like Liverpool, because, you know, in Robertson and, um, and Alexander-Arnold, they've got probably two of the best, if not, the two best fullbacks in the country. So you're not going to provide competition for him if you're Jamal Lewis. You're going to be back up very much so, aren't you? So unless, you know, there's some kind of arrangement where he's loaned out back to us, um, it, I think it'd be a step too soon for him, really. Yeah, I can definitely see that. But uh, I guess Liverpool play a lot of games, don't they? You know, they probably play 50, 60 games in a year. Well, yeah, more like 60 games in a year, don't they? And you would have thought he'd still have a chance of some decent game time. But in terms of how he performed last year, I don't mean he's at that level yet. But to be fair, the report does say that that Klopp sees potential in him. He thinks that, um, A, I think they described it as um, that he has an elite level attitude and work rate, which I think we could probably agree with. Jamal's a very professional guy, isn't he? 
Um, you know, Klopp knows how to develop a player. Look at Andrew Robertson. They signed him after Hull were relegated, didn't they? So um, he's 22. He's a Northern Ireland international. Um, I, I'd, if I was him, I'd find that a very difficult prospect to turn down to, to be in with the potential of, of winning silverware and medals quite quickly. So that's going to be really interesting one to, to monitor. But that, that report, as I say, is one to take seriously. Um, they said that he'd flown back from a holiday in Greece, which obviously was only quite a short one, um, ahead of potential uh, transfer movement. Um, and then we've had a bit of a triple header just ahead of the pod, haven't we, Pad, in terms of... Uh, movement potentially on Mo Leitner, Tom Tribal, and Josip Dermich. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, no surprise, Dermich, because he said quite openly himself last week that uh, they're in talks, but he's, not, he's open to a move. So, um, you know, it hasn't worked out for him. Uh, I think most Norwich fans would agree it definitely hasn't worked out for the club. So that isn't a huge surprise that neither of the other two. Um, well known, uh, both of those internally have been told uh, towards the end of last season that. Um, if it's workable for all parties, both both still under contract till 2022. So, you know, there, there's always contractual elements to these. But in terms of the football side of it, moving forward, Norwich don't feel that they're probably going to be part of the journey. It's certainly leading parts. And uh, it might be in the best interest of all. Today's development is that Liner's agent has actually uh, spoke to the press association and just confirmed that, essentially, that uh, very amicable, but all parties in agreement, probably best that he moves on. Um, and they will now work to find, I think, his phrase is a workable solution. So, uh, And Tribal is in the same category. If you remember Leitner, background there, played 10 times last season. Uh, there was reports of a fallout with Farker. I put that to Farker. I think it was after the Southampton game. Um, so we're going back to before Christmas. Daniel, as you would do, you would expect, uh, played that down, but um, didn't play since Preston and the FA Cup. Then he went off and had hernia surgery. So then you add in players are already coming in now, Dowell, City, Sorensen, more so in that position of the pitch. Um, so for me, that was that's pretty clear that uh, the, the road has come to an end for Moritz Leitner at Norwich. Tribal, uh, less obvious perhaps, but then, you know, he didn't play towards the end of last season. I know there was this talk about his wife, is pregnant, he was back in Germany. Um I think that was a little bit more convenient uh, thing to put out there as to why he wasn't uh, featuring in the last couple of games, given they had so many injuries. Um, I asked Daniel straight after the Man City game, where was he that day? Because he'd had to play two keepers on the or put two keepers on the bench, couldn't even fulfil their nine spots on the bench. And Daniel just rather diplomatically said it was for personal reasons. So I, I think if you read between the lines, you could tell that this where we are this morning publicly now is a position that, that both the club and the players and their representatives had reached towards the end of the season. We know Daniel and Stewart for about the last three months have seriously started to think about planning, even when they were still fully focused on trying to stay up. Um, but the planning has been in place. Look at all the new signings, look how quickly they got them over the line. Um, so part of that is, and Stewart was quite candid when we went and spoke to him after I think the Brighton game, there will be departures. Uh, there will be players who were on the journey who will no longer be on the journey and they will be moved on quickly and it will be on the club's terms. So, to me, that was a very clear message that um, put aside, and we just touched on one of them, the Crown Jewels players who are slightly different scenarios because uh, obviously they're highly valued commodities. But I think that was also a message for the wider fan base from Stuart that, that maybe the the bulk of the squad there are players in there who probably won't be with them on the next stage of the journey and as I say that's where we are so um, not a 
definite that uh, all three will be gone because they obviously have to find potential clubs who are willing to sort of meet the financial requirements of Norwich as a club and the players themselves. Um, but I think it all seems to be leading to, to probably those three um, at some point between now and the end of the window won't, won't be Norwich players anymore. Yeah, Leitner's no great surprise. I think we were we were sort of expecting him to go in January, weren't we? And then that never came off. Um, Dermich, I mean, the, the break came at a bad time for him because he he was just starting to find a bit of a bit of form, wasn't he? But in general, his his attitude hasn't screened commitment. I wouldn't say. I, I don't think I've seen. You know, a lot of the players have put up some kind of social media post, haven't they? Sort of uh, apologising for relegation or saying it's been a difficult season or whatever. I haven't seen anything like that from from Dermich at all. So, um, that, you know, that doesn't mean anything. But just when you pair with what we do see from him on the pitch and stuff, it he doesn't seem like a, a player that you want in the trenches alongside you. Um, at Rotherham on a on a Tuesday night in in January or whatever, does he? But who knows? He, he's obviously got ability as well. So it's going to be an interesting one to monitor. Um, and you would you would need to see signs that he is one hundred percent committed to the cause if he is going to stick around. But Dave, if I come to you on on tribal, I mean. He, he's obviously been a very popular player with with Norwich fans in his in his time here, isn't he? What three years? And he, you know, scored some crucial goals. He, he did perform well at times in the championship, but after the restart in particular, Daniel did seem to put a bit of faith in him, and and it didn't work out at all. I thought he was probably one of the the worst performers for for Norwich once once the season resumed. No, it kind of makes you wonder. And then this, you know, it's not my job to kind of go into his, um, you know, his personal life. But you do wonder what's happening behind the scenes. Um, he didn't, you know, to me, he's always been a good servant to me. And he's, uh, the, I think of the three that the name's cropping up, he's the one I'm kind of most surprised to hear being leaked removed away. Because he, by all accounts, he's been certainly off the field. He seems to be one of the players that is very much tried to... You know, make Norwich a home and ingrain himself in the community. He's done, you know, him and between him and Anna, they've done lots of, mm. you know, charity work locally, getting themselves involved in the community. And obviously, he's another player who's been searching for a home for for quite quite some time. And um, yeah, he, um, he has been a little bit off the boil, um, certainly since the restart, as you said. Um, he, he'll be a player if he goes. We, you know, he'll leave on good terms with the fans, I expect, and would have quite a lot, you know, fond memories of him. He was colossal against in that game against Leeds, um, you know, in the promotion season. That's one of the best defensive midfielding performances I've ever seen. Um, he was everywhere. And, you know, on his day, when he when he was really switched on, fired up and geared, geared in gear, he was he was terrific. Um, but it's, it's, it does seem, I don't know whether something's happened that, behind the scenes we don't know about to unsettle him maybe um, but yeah it'll be, it'll be a shame to see him go but I think it is what it is yeah I think equally yeah, a lot of fans would be quite happy for him to stay if um, if they don't find a new home for him but we'll see but you remember Padder was it after the the Arsenal game in the League Cup in Farkas first season when he came out with that quote about um, it was probably you asking about how well Tribal had played that night, and he he said something like, um, "I don't want to talk him up too much because Chelsea will be wanting to sign him." Yeah, yeah, that's, that rings a vague bell. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I was told by somebody inside the club, that, but I mean, and he's putting a lot of pressure on the boy Sorensen because he is stepping up and he's a young man, but that he is basically Tribal with legs. That's how that's how internally <laughs> they see this lad. So, you know. 
if that is the case, and he, and he is the new tribal essentially, but a bit more with a, a bit more dynamism and athleticism, then yeah, I think it is just the natural um, shedding and evolution that needs to go on because I think Stuart Weber particularly is very mindful of they need to shake it up, they need to freshen it up. I mean, he said again in that interview that you know three years is a long time essentially to have the majority of those squad in place and and draw a parallel with the Alex Neil era when they went down, Neil went completely the other end of the scale and was so loyal to those, that group of players who'd got them up via the playoffs in Wembley. And when he left, he basically said that was his one big regret that he wasn't in this win, this summer of that period. He wasn't far more. That's for all you've done, but off you go into the sunset. We need to go in a different direction. And certainly Weber, one thing he is, is very ruthless and, um, I, I wouldn't look too deeply for reasons. I think it's just purely footballing reasons. And both of those lads, and Dermot, you could add in the view of Daniel and Stuart, um, aren't going to be able to drive them on to where they need to go now, which is shed completely all this hangover, hit the ground running, and really be competing to come straight back. And yeah, it is a brutal business, but that, that's the nature of the beast, isn't it? And, um, you know, but tribal more than liner, but both of those, I think, have been good servants in in their way. You know, and in terms of you know, one came in via a trial, um, liner came on loan initially, and then they did a deal with Augsburg. I think both of those, they will probably recoup whatever outlay they did spend on them. So, so it's good financial business if they can get on moves. And I think footballing wise, as I say, you know, you don't bring in a Sorensen and a Dowell uh, City to an extent, although he sounds like a bit more of a longer term project you don't bring in these guys if you're going to stay with the tried and trusted. So that's just, unfortunately, the business they're in. Yeah, I, it's interesting you say that about uh, Sorensen almost being a, a tribal with lace because that has always been one thing very apparent. I don't know whether it's down to injuries when he was younger, but it doesn't have much pace tribal, does he? When he's chasing back into position, he often looks like he's struggling to catch up with players. But um, we'll see. Um, we're just getting started, really. You know, we've already gone through Dow, Lewis, Leitner, Tribal, Dermich. Um, if I come back to you, Pad, on, on Timu Pukki, who's been making uh, sort of some strange... Oh, Dave, I forgot about him. It's been that manic, hasn't it? I completely yeah. forgot about your Besiktas fan. I mean, this Love has it. almost been a bit fun, hasn't it? Um, the yeah. Besiktas fans bombarding his social media accounts, trying to get him to sign almost. Um, and that sort of looks to have come to a close pretty much now, doesn't it? Uh, well, well, who knows? It's, it's, uh, with this saga, you, you wouldn't say definite, but um, but I think there was some. Uh, his management team have basically said there's nothing in that uh, Besiktas link. I think there was an exploratory discussion with with his Finnish representative uh, a few weeks ago now, uh, in terms of a sounding out exercise. I think it looks like their main striker was moving on. I think, and they're obviously looking at options, but. Since then, it's been become quite apparent. I think I've seen reports of Ziktas financially aren't in the greatest of health either. So, the the numbers that would, they would need to put a deal together um, are just not acceptable. You know, a Premier League salary transfer fee if it's going to be a permanent, even a loan fee. Uh, and and could you see Norwich saying, okay, you go off on loan, uh, but if it doesn't work out, you come back. That's a complete non-starter. That report. So. Um, it would appear that financially that's a non-starter, despite yeah, quite an amazing uh, amount of social media love towards towards the goat. But um, but interestingly, what there was a strand coming out of Turkey there two or three days ago that uh, 
also allied to maybe that Besiktas couldn't put a financial deal together was that there is Premier League interest in this guy. Now, I thought this was prior to the playoff final. I thought certainly Thomas Frank at Brentford, who worked with him for two years at Bromby, um, straight away that that would that would that would seem a perfect fit. But of course, they're back in the staying staying back in the Championship now. But mid mid to lower level ranking club, maybe even the West Brom. You know, one of the promoted teams have come up. Why wouldn't you look at him? Because um, over the entire piece of his 18 months or so at Norwich, the goal ratio to games is frightening. Yes, we all know that the last six, seven, eight months post that foot injury at Leicester wasn't the same player. Um, but if you could get a, a fully motivated, fully fit and refreshed team with Pugli, I think he probably would score you a few goals for another season or two in the Premier League. So I'd be inclined to be, if we're talking about him and where he's going to end up, I'd be inclined to be focusing a bit more closer to home rather than Turkey or wherever. Okay. Well, I was. I thought Daniel's quotes about Timu were quite interesting. Like, you know, talking about how he could uh, be an asset again in the championship. I thought he was. That almost sounded like he was reasonably confident he was going to stay. But Skybet actually opened a book on this, didn't they? And they had Besiktas as favourites, and then Burnley as second favourites. Doesn't Pookie doesn't really seem a Burnley player to me. And then West Brom as the other team. So. Um, that's one to monitor. Uh, Buendia to Leeds, that's been sort of bubbling away in the background, isn't it? But again, quite tentatively. I mean, Bielsa is the obvious link there, isn't he? And I, I could see that one there. Like He would definitely fit the Bielsa style, wouldn't he? Obviously, the, the language would be um, uh, no barrier to him as well. He'd be able to communicate really well with Bielsa. He might even sort of help in the dressing room in, in, in that side of things but that that one's been fairly tentative so I won't, won't spend too much time with that Dave if I come to you on Ben Godfrey um, mm. deep breath I mean this is all uh, pretty much in, in the last week um, they've had uh, Manchester United have, have been linked in the Express Sky have said by Leverkusen uh, reports in Italy have said AC Milan and Napoli just before um, this last week we've also had Borussia Dortmund, Red Bull Leipzig, Newcastle, all linked. The price seems to have slowly come down to a more realistic sort of 25 or 30 million from at one point a few weeks ago, but talking about 50 million, which just seems ridiculous. I, don't know, I can't see any way they're going to get that sort of money. Uh, are you fairly convinced that Ben Godfrey won't be a Norwich player next season or still taking it with a pinch of salt? Well, I, I've been convinced that Ben Godfrey wasn't going to be a Norwich player next season. I think all it took for me is Rio Ferdinand's punditry. Every <laughs> single time Norwich were on telly and Rio Ferdinand was um, one of the pundits, he would mention Ben Godfrey. He would do it. it to me, it felt like he was doing backflips not to criticise Ben Godfrey. Um, well, I just find it so strange. Um, ben Godfrey is decent and he's going to be a great centre-half. There's no two ways about it. But I just can't get my head around. I'm worried I'm going to try and talk the club out of some money here, but I don't really understand how a 22-year-old, or is it 21, 22, however old he is, um, in the worst defence in the Premier League, is coming away smelling quite so of roses. Because, I mean, he makes a few, you know, you know, he makes the odd champagne block on the line or some, puts his body on the line and something that'll look good in the showreel. But... At the same time, he's prone to making mistakes. He'll overthink things sometimes. He's, his distribution, sometimes it's brilliant. Sometimes he doesn't know what to do with the ball and can, can get caught out of position. Um, 
I don't understand how, where all these links are coming from. If he, other than the fact that he's got a very, very, very busy agent, it seems. Yeah, well, Ferdinand is uh, officially like a, um, an advisor to players for his agency, isn't he? So I, I do think he's a little bit naughty sometimes with how he talks about Ben on, uh, you know, when he's on whatever TV station because he does, it's not always made clear that he does have quite close links to the player isn't it and I think that's um, I think that's a little bit naughty but I think the thing with Ben is uh, we've, we've, as we've probably said in recent weeks really is that he, the, the injury crisis did really leave Ben in at the deep end didn't he and you know it was alongside Amadou and then Tetty and um, you know you, you despite uh, what was a Probably you probably would say wasn't a good season for him. There were still enough hints at that ability to be there, and I, and I guess Rio sees enough of himself in Ben from when he was that sort of age, when he made the big move from from Leeds to Man United, when he was what the most expensive defender in the world, I think, wasn't he at the time? So um, I guess he sees that potential in Ben, and, and we all do see that to a certain extent. But yeah, I, I can see what you mean that if you just base it on on this season that talking about these big fees does seem a little bit silly. So we'll see where that one goes. Uh, similarly, um, Pad, um, Max Ahrens uh, has been linked with um, a couple more ger- uh, German clubs, hasn't he? Um, Bayern Munich were, were mentioned. Um, Dortmund and Leipzig have been talked about. Leverkusen were mentioned in that um, report about Bayern as well from, from Sky in Germany. But um, sort of, well, that no, it did sort of come round, didn't it? And, and the, the, the reports in Germany then started saying that a Premier League move was was expected, wasn't it? Yeah, again, I think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors around a lot of these talks. And like Pookie, Max Aaron's, I can't see. I don't see him going overseas because he's got some very good... Like Madison, but, um, representatives maybe drawing a parallel with Godfrey's representatives, but but he, he has a, a management team around him who are... Far more holistic in their approach and mapping out his career, and I, and I don't I don't see Max Aaron's going to sit on the bench at Bayern Munich at the age of twenty is a very good career move for him. Look at Madison, what did he go? He went to Leicester. He's playing regularly. He's now in the England squad. He's getting touted with Manchester United. He's about to sign a mega mega improved deal at Leicester by all accounts. So um, no, Max Aaron's will stay in England. I'm pretty sure about that. And and the clubs Arsenal, Tottenham have been linked to him. Could see those. I've heard those. I could see Wolves now. We were linked to him there two or three weeks ago. Progressive clubs where he will go, and if he's not guaranteed to be the first choice, he will have a fair fight of being the first choice. What is the point of him going and being an understudy to Benjamin Pavard for two, three years? It's pointless. It doesn't do anything for that man's career. And and really, if anything, you know, the danger is then you end up going down a cul-de-sac a la Scott Sinclair and these players who moved too early, too soon, too much money, um, and and it wasn't the best move for their careers. But from everything I'm told, it, he does have the right type of framework around him, family and representatives. And uh, I think they they will be far more willing to sort of not jump at the first potential suitor um, because Dave Hannon is spot on. You know, Ben Godfrey, if he goes to AC Milan, they won't go... Those Milan fans won't expect him to be potential. They will expect him to be the finished article, to be the leader of that back line. And he's nowhere near even though Milan are not the Milan of, of Maldini, um, who apparently is his idol, which was the most laughable line I've seen in recent days. <laughs> their, their technical director that is who finished playing probably when Ben Godfrey was in short trousers is, is his idol. But uh, I think that was laying it on a bit thick. But to go to a club of that stature still, with that reputation, 
um, would be a, a terrible move for the lad because uh, he's not ready. I mean, he proved this season he needs experience around him. Um, and he's probably to be dipped out occasionally when his form dips, as it did do on occasion, and more than on occasion in the Premier League. Um, and you touched on Ferdinand, but Ferdinand was coming off the back of a Leeds team who'd got to the semi-finals of the Champions League. So um, under David O'Leary, so he was he was a bit more than potential. He, he was getting towards the finished article. This lad is nowhere near it. So with Max, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to see a headline saying Bayern Munich linked to a Norwich player. Uh, that sort of under, underscores that what these lads potentially could go on to do. But right here, right now, terrible move for the lad to go to a club of that stature because he won't play games. And and the reason he is where he is now and getting talked about so well is because for the last two seasons, essentially, he's played regularly week in, week out. First at the Championship, then at the Premier League. He's got into the England under-21 setup. That's all come off the back of playing regular football. So to then suddenly accept and Jamal probably to bring it back right back to where we started this conversation to, to accept that you're going to go to a massive club and play a quarter of the games maybe you've played in the last two seasons doesn't really add up because the money the money you can get the money anyway the, the money will come if you continue to develop and it'll come in huger quantities um, if you continue to do that as Madison has demonstrated but um, you just hope that all these young Norwich players have the right advice around them and that uh, um, that they move to the right clubs at the right time. But yeah, with Max, um, I'd be staggered if he goes anywhere other than the Premier League. And and as I say, I don't think it'll be a, a, a top, top, top bracketed Premier League club because I think he's a bit too uh, too more astute and, and knows that his game time will be limited. So I'll be looking at that bracket just below, a, a la Tottenham, a la Arsenal, a la Wolves. Um, where he's still progressing his career, but he still knows there's a few more steps to go before he gets to the Bayern Munich's, Man City's, Liverpool's, Allah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if Just to step outside of the Norwich City bubble, you think there's pressure playing for Norwich City, you lose one game at Manchester United or AC Milan or Bayern Munich and it's like the, the sky is falling in, isn't it? It's, you know, social media chaos from around the world it's a totally totally different galaxy to, to play in Norwich City so um, I think I, I'm with you with the vast majority of what you said actually I did just going back to Jamal Lewis very briefly I um, had meant to mention that he is uh, he joined the agency which uh, also has Andrew Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold on their books he joined them in April or certainly they put out an Instagram post saying he joined in April so um, that it does make you wonder as well, doesn't it, how uh, how long that potential uh, for a Liverpool move has, has been in the works. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. That is quite a few outs discussed. Um, we have had a few rumours about ins as well, haven't we, which is... Which is generated quite a bit of talk actually the big one from sky a couple of days ago ryan bennett linked with a potential return and alfie mawson at fulham which has probably taken on a little bit more credence since fulham won the playoff final he would look to be potentially even more available now maybe even on a loan deal given that he had a i think it was a knee injury in january which basically ruined his second half of the season but this is a lad who once made an England squad, who had a big reputation when he came through with Swansea, and uh, they paid good money for him as well. So, Dave, if I come to you that, on that first, Ryan Bennett, um, I would say there has been a fairly mixed reaction to this one, because some people seem to think it's a great idea, and some think it's a terrible one. 
I'm I'm somewhere in the middle there. I'm not, not usually one to sit on the fence, but it's it's it's. I always thought with Ryan Bennett that there was a player there, kind of waiting to come out come out of his you know of his shell or whatever, and that we were still talking about potential of Ryan Bennett when he left us at what 27, 28 years old, and he's is he 30 now? Um, but he's he's had so many problems with injuries. Um, the Leicester move was a weird one that came completely out of the blue. Only a loan move, but but he's a pre- in the championship. Once he started getting a bit of a run of games for Wolves, he was quite a big part in them getting out of the league. Okay, he kind of fell out of favour in the Premier League, as all due respect to the lad, you probably expect him to. But you do wonder if you know so much of the uh, recruitment is focusing on picking picking players out of nowhere. Whereas Ryan Bennett knows the championship um, and wouldn't be the worst in the world. I, I think I'd welcome him back. I wouldn't, you know, I am probably isn't also the first person who would come to my mind about it. But at the same time, he knows the area. He grew up here. He, um, you know, it could be perhaps his motivation would be to put right the spell that was didn't, you know, didn't really go to plan and, Perhaps he does feel he's got unfinished business here. And if you've got a switched on and motivated Ryan Bennett, then it's a great defender to have in the, in the championship. Yeah, if the finances um, sort of fit what Norwich want to do, then I'd, I'd generally go along with that. He should be a good player, particularly if you're looking to play a three at the back ball, because that's where he really uh, did well for Wolves, wasn't it? When he played on the right side of a, of a three. Um, so... Yeah, he always seemed to have a little injury which checked his progress of Norris, didn't it? Because there were, there were even times in the Premier League then when he looked like he was capable of doing it. Um, if he was fired up for it, he really, you know, if he really wants to come back to Norfolk where he has family, where uh, supposedly he still has a house, um, you know, him, him, John Ruddy and Madison turned up to a Norwich game, didn't they, at, at one point? I think he went to, um, he's local, isn't he? He, went, he was, um, Marsham High, was it? Uh, Martham, I think, yeah. He's, Martham, he's family, the one, uh, out, one out Yarmouth way. They yeah. always get too muddled up. Which is, that's Flag, isn't it, at Martham? Flag, that's it, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's an interesting one, but it just, it doesn't seem like a Stuart Webber signing to me. Um, Pad, what did you make of that rumour with, with the two of them, with Bennett and Mawson? Well, Bennett, I'll just completely dismiss that. It's fanciful. Was it not for Daniel, did that long sit-down with the club, uh, which they pumped out Friday afternoon last, in which, on the next phase of the transfer strategy, he said we need some experienced older heads. Um, and that, that a lot of those younger players, they, they don't have any expectation that en masse they will force their way into the eleven. So straight away, if we know now that they're looking to target probably another two or three signings, depending on what happens in terms of the outs with the, with the crown jewels, but and they want some experience, then, well, there you go. Ryan Bennett is, uh, is a championship title winner with Wolves and uh, mm. play in, in, in that level. Um, with Norwich as well so uh, but then I think well the finances involved what's he on Premier League wise substantially more than Norwich's cap will be in terms of their salaries going forward um, I've seen reports that he, he's still technically I think he's got another 12 months in his contract so that if, if Wolves don't want to basically rip that up then there'd have to be a transfer fee um, and none of those two elements lead you to think Norwich would pursue that with any great gusto other than as I say if, if the finances could be somehow put together to make it a deal and from a footballing point of view because I remember when Stuart if you remember Ryan was one of the seven along with John who went in that one of those first moves that Weber had to make where at the end of that first season he basically said thanks but no thanks to, to that group of seven but 
he did say, I remember saying with Ryan Bennett, that it, it was purely down to financial and, and footballing-wise, he, he quite liked him as a player. So, so if you reverse that, if, they could, if there was some ground that could be reached between Bennett, Wolves, Norwich in terms of the finances, I wouldn't dismiss it completely because ultimately, Farker has told us that's the next thing they want. They want some added experience. But uh, I think that, that's, um, that, that's a hypothetical scenario because, you know, is Ryan Bennett going to come for, uh, we'll say, you know, a third of what he's on now? Then no, is the answer. Um, Norwich aren't going to break their structure. They've made that quite clear. That's the path to where they found themselves before when Weber first arrived. That's not going to happen. So the financials would suggest that's that's a non-starter for me. Um, and Mawson, again, financials, unless there was a loan deal that can put together. And even then, Fulham would have to substantially subsidise his wages because you can guarantee if he's on a contract uh, that is now Premier League inflated, uh, which they will be, although Fulham players will get uplifts, I'm sure, written into their contracts. Um, again, financially, don't see that working. And Mawson might now, OK, he wasn't involved. I saw him there in his tracksuit last night. Um, hasn't been part of the back end of Fulham's championship title, sorry, playoff win. But now they're back in the Premier League. He was signed to play in the Premier League. He played there with Swansea. He might think, well, I'll come back, get my head down, work hard over this pre-season and then try and get back into Fulham's Premier League plan. So I don't see either of them two coming into the mix for Norwich now. But um, but I think it, certainly Bennett is indicative of maybe that type of player they're looking at. But um and, and why they're looking at centre-backs will clearly probably flows out of the Godfrey. If they think Godfrey's away, then and, then they're going to need to bring in another centre-back. So you can understand the links in the chain. But for me, Bennett, financially non-star. Yeah, and we're talking about, again, uh, certainly with, with Mawson more recently, um, a player who's had an injury problem. And that's what the problem is with Norwich's defenders at the moment, isn't it? Is that we can't... Um, you can't bet your mortgage on them playing a full season with, with Hanley Zimmerman and closer. We all know they've got the ability in the Championship and that they're capable of playing major roles for Norwich, but it's all down to whether they are, are going to be fit for next season. And there, there was one other link with a defender, wasn't there? But um, Well, it was in Le Keep in France, which is obviously a very major publication over there. A young PSG defender, Loic Mbeso. Um, you know, he's on the Golden Boy shortlist alongside Max Ahrens, which is, you know, the best under-21 players in Europe. He has played, um, made a few appearances for PSG, but it's, it's supposedly um, surplus to requirements there. But to me, that feels like one that they would have been scouting as a as a Premier League club. And I don't see somebody moving with with that sort of CV that he's got already. Uh, he's captain France throughout the youth levels. I don't see that being a, a championship move. Um, but uh, we have got a Norwich player already in action, already started his season. Um, Isaac Thorvaldson uh, joined St Mirren a couple of weeks ago. Um, we carried some quotes from their manager, Jim Goodwin, at the back end of last week, uh, including saying that he's uh, built like a tank, um, which I'd actually noticed as well. When um, when Isaac first came over from Iceland and he was playing for the under-23s, he, he was quite small, but he's been sort of... Um, we didn't see a lot of youth football last season for, for obvious reasons. And then he went out on loan to Fleetwood and we didn't see much from there. He only made two substitute appearances. But I saw some photos of him training for St Mirren and he has had a serious growth spurt. He, he's sort of Godfrey build. He looks like a real, real unit. So um, he came on, I think, for the final 10 or 15 minutes for St Mirren as they beat Livingston in their first game of the season on Saturday. So that's one to keep an eye on. Uh, Rocky Bashiri starts this weekend. Nice, easy start to the season in the Belgian top flight against Anderlecht with uh, Michelin, which is the club he'll spend the season with, um, Belgium under-21 uh, defender. Um, 
come back to you, Pat, on Aston Oxborough. Uh, he's been linked with Salford, which uh, would be a League Two loan move. That would seem a good move in, but that would probably mean that Norwich are, are going to need a keeper, aren't they? Um, you, you've got McGovern there already, but um, I did notice that John McCracken has has re-emerged after um, seeming like he wasn't going to be involved at Norwich anymore. I just wonder whether he might be the um, the other keeper to come into it, although he, I don't think... Oh, no, he probably would qualify as homegrown because I think he signed for Norwich as, uh, at 16. Yeah, I did, yeah, he got a new deal, didn't he, there? I saw another year. No, no I personally don't... I, I see another farming-type deal there because essentially what you have is Krull, undisputed number one, McGovern, solid citizen, good professional around the camp as your three. You need your two because if, if an Oxborough McCracken, we know Archie Mayer's off to Kingsley and I think that group of lads and, and we touched on it earlier there's nothing down for them to be sat on a first team bench week in week out at their age they need to be progressing Aston had an excellent uh, loan spell last season um, in Conference South and uh, they all need to be playing so that leads you to think they'll be all out the door obviously they'll need to keep a development key but that could be McCracken we don't know um, so to really purely on the numbers they do need to replace um and, and I think the beauty of bringing in a, when I say farming, I mean a loan type of deal is that it, it is essentially a holding pattern in your number two. If you think Krull's going to be here, he's going to be the undisputed number one. Of course he is. Unless he gets injured, he's going to play. So you want a, you want a reliable number two who ideally, a bit like farming, could come in and maybe put a, pressure, a bit of pressure on a Tim Krull so he maintains that standard he's reached now. But ultimately, it just allows for another season to pass and then hopefully one of those younger lads really kicks on again. And, and if Oxford got himself playing regularly at League 2 with Salford, I mean, that's a really good move for the kid because uh, that is the step up he needs. And we won't know with any of these younger lads if they can really be viable first-team alternatives for Norwich unless you test them. And I think that would be a test to go from where he was to playing regularly in League 2. Um, and, and who knows, this time next summer, we could be talking about Oxford as, as coming into the, the reckoning for, for maybe the number two at Norwich. Um, so, yeah, I... I think, and, and the reason again, why would you go loan? Well, what is, you know, what is the point? Unless you feel that Cruel isn't going to be around, why would you go and spend money in an area of the squad where you feel you've already got an established number one, um, when that can be better spent elsewhere? And you've also got, you hope, some good young keepers who maybe in a season, two seasons, are really going to emerge as viable alternatives for Norwich. So, yeah, I, I don't have any inside track on that, but I've, I think looking at it, it, it probably makes sense to, to explore the loan market, I think, for a number two uh, for this season anyway. Yeah, Ox the Wellston fans were raving about Oxborough. I mean, that's National League South, so step two of non-league, but he got a title winner's medal. But um, they, they were really, really impressed by him. He's, he's, he's definitely got the size on his side. The reason I, I mentioned McCracken really is because I remember when he coming through, he, he's really good with his feet. He's a very much a modern goalkeeper. And that was the problem with McGovern, wasn't it? Is that when he did step into the team last year, he just didn't link in with the defence well enough, did he? He couldn't, he couldn't really be a direct replacement for Tim Krull. And, um, he, you know, like you say, he's a, he's a solid citizen. He's almost a bit like a, a goalkeeper coach, isn't he? In what his, what his role really does now and, and, and acts as cover. But that's going to be an interesting to watch. Um, the under-23's top scorer last season was a lad called Gassan Ahadme. Uh, Moroccan-born, had been playing in Spain. Um, but he's now been loaned out to Real Oviedo's B team um, with the option for a permanent deal. So that sounds like um, a parting of the ways is coming there. So, I mean, we'll, we'll try and keep an eye on him. But if he's not even playing for 
Oviedo's first team in the second tier in, in Spain, then I don't think we're going to be able to keep a, keep much of a track on him. Uh, Sean Ragger, did, uh, he was released. He's joined Portsmouth permanently. And Timmy Odessina, he was an academy defender. He um, He's uh, staying with Hartlepool, which is where he was on loan, if uh, I've remembered that one correctly. Um, right, and I've saved the best one for last for you, Dave, because I know you're going to love this. Mr. Wes Houlihan, back in English football, has finally signed for Cambridge United. Will you be heading down to the Abbey to see Wesley in action? <laughs> I, I tell you what, I certainly would be if if they draw. Um, he finds himself up against Ipswich in some kind of cup. <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing to watch? You know, Wes Houlihan tear Ipswich apart one more time in the Johnson's Paint Trophy or whatever it's now called. <laughs> yeah, and Lambert as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously. With, uh, uh, when we're when fans are allowed back in in the stadium, of course. But um, yeah, it was a bit of a surprise. He, he sort of he went over to Australia. He had an injury which kind of held it up, didn't it? But um, you know, fair play to him at thirty eight, playing in League Two. He's still still hungry to sort of try and get one last uh, one last bit of promotion. Um, right, still thirty eight. He'll still be the best player in that league. Absolutely. Um, Right, well, um, I think we should probably wrap it there uh, because we've got through so much there. Um, and I just want to bring that bit of audio with the, with the Wigan fan at, at the end of the pod. Um, so we'll, we'll be back with you um, very soon. Of course, Fulham promoted. They joined Leeds and West Brom in, in heading out of the division to the Premier League. And we're still waiting to hear uh, who Watford and Bournemouth's new managers will be as well. Um, so there's going to be loads more to to get our teeth into ahead of the start of next season um, but it's, it's transfers that are dominating at the moment uh, so Dave Pad, thanks very much um, for your time um, and I'll, I'll close this week's show you can also hear us on Future Radio 107.8 FM I should also say we're, we're, the, the pod is always played out on a, on a Wednesday night with those guys um, but just finally this is Adam Pendleberry from the Pride with Unity Wigan podcast uh, we had a chat about Kieran Dow and how well he did on his loan spell with them. Well, yeah, so our hearts certainly go out to all Wigan fans at the moment. It's such a shame after that run of form. Yeah, the football community have sort of rallied behind us. We've had a lot of good, uh, a lot of donations to our sort of crowdfunding sites as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah we've done well. Great stuff. And Paul Cook, Paul Cook was a Norwich player briefly as well, so um, uh, it's good to see him doing well. But I, I guess this sort of ties nicely in from a Norwich perspective with Kieran Dowell signing, but... It seems like he was a fairly big part of, of that decent run of form, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it was funny because uh, we, we signed him on we signed him on loan uh, in January. He made his debut in the cup match against Leicester and, and didn't really do anything. Uh, he struggled a bit in his first three or four matches and then got injured uh, and pretty much was out for the season. But obviously, with lockdown, um, he was he was available again as we just came out of you know for the for the restart. Um, and again, got off to a slow start, but I'd say the last sort of five or six games really, really did come good. Obviously, the, the highlight being his um, hat trick in the 8 0 win against Hull. Uh, <laughs> but his general performances um, over the course of that period of time have been very strong, very consistent. Uh, and you can see he's got he's got a talent. You know, he's come through at a you know very very good club there and. Um, I, th- I think it's just one of those. Sometimes some players take a little bit longer to mature, um, but I think at championship level, I think he's a decent player. Uh, I'm not sure about stepping up to Prem, but in the championship, I think he'll be a good signing. 
He's still young as well, isn't he? So I guess he's well. He said in his quotes that he still hopes he's got sort of more more development to come and things like that. But um, in terms of where he sort of fitted into the team, um, I mean, he looks like he's sort of a playmaker, traditional number ten, that sort of player, is he? Yeah, I, I think he's he struggled at the start because I think because of other personnel that we had in place, he was playing wide a bit. And these players sometimes they don't get into the game much if they're wide. Whereas if they're in that kind of number ten position, they can kind of sort of pick that ball up on the half turn, which he likes doing. And then he does see a pass very quickly. Now, I think one of the problems, um, I guess, with, with, with Wigan at the start was the fact that maybe he wasn't getting those runners in. But, the you know, our wide players have come good. Um, Kiefer Moore has improved a lot. So he was playing, the runs were being made. So if you've got a striker who makes runs, say, a P- obviously Puki, I don't know whether you're going to hold on to Puki or not. But if you do... I think he could work very. He could work very well, you know, just sort of just behind him and link up well. I know you've got other personnel who maybe maybe would be challenging for that role, but personally, I think that that's where he has to play, um, either as a forward in a three-man midfield or just behind a strike. I think if you put him out wide, I, I think he becomes anonymous. Really, he's not like one of those who's going to get to the byline and put crosses in. So for me, if you can work him in somewhere centrally into your team, I think I think he'll do a good job for you. Yeah, Norwich tends to play a four-two-three-one, so that that sort of central attacking midfield role could could well suit yeah. him. I mean, if they were to keep hold of Todd Campbell and Emmy Buendia and play them either side of him, then that's uh, that's a pretty decent threat. But um, yeah, think... and, and to be fair, he does. If you've got a couple of good, strong, solid midfielders alongside him. Like, Marcy and Williams were superb for Wigan in the last, in post-lockdown. And if you've got two quality players at the side of him, he can then just go and do his uh, do his bit. The other thing as well about him, which surprised me, is the fact that uh, his work rate was superb. So he's happy if you do a press, he's happy to be up there helping with the press as well. So he's not like one of those luxury players that sometimes in a number 10, you don't want to do the work. He looks like he's he's willing to work as well. So if, if you want to play that style and, you know, you want to press, stop teams playing it out from the back, then I think he can play a big part in, in the more defensive side of it as well. Yeah, he's got a bit of size on his side as well, hasn't he? So um, he's, he's probably not going to get pushed around just because he's got all that championship experience already there. Um, yeah. I, I guess um, you mentioned that, that the hat-trick against Hull, that must have been a pretty um, sort of weird but memorable day for, for you guys. Um, do, you, do you feel like Dow was sort of um, taking to the hearts of Wigan fans? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I mean, there was a bit of a... I think even the first couple of games after lockdown, there was a bit of a debate about whether he should be playing. And But I think a lot of players were like that. I think it took a lot of players... Uh, a little bit of time to get back into it. They haven't, you know, they haven't played football in whatever three or four months. Um, I was always, I spotted something in him. I, I thought that this guy, he's got something that's what I call a championship and a half player, where they don't quite have it for the Premier League, but they see things that maybe players in the your average championship player doesn't. And I, I spotted that. And I think as he started to get used to the other players and how the runs that they were making, he could pick he could pick them out. So I think he became, uh, a lot of fans really did take to him, sort of from about maybe game three or four after lockdown, the last five or six matches. Uh, he was super, probably a couple of man of the match performances and obviously his hat-tricks, the obvious one, but he had a good game uh, against Fulham in the last game of the season against a quality opposition. I guess they're the sides what he needs to play well against. Uh, in order to, you know, if you want to be a side that's pushing 
for promotion. You need your best players to play well in the, the big game. So, yeah, and, and his goals were, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the third goal he scored. Um, yeah, it was brilliant, wasn't it? But I, I'm sure if he scout just saw that goal, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure that that would that on its own would be something that would uh, attract you to it because you know it, it takes a quality player to score that type of goal. But then his other goals as well, you know, just how how quickly he can shift the ball and get the shot away early. And as we well know, if you can shoot early, you know, it all, often puts the goalkeeper in a difficult difficult position. So yeah, I, I, I like him. I think I think you probably need to give him a bit of time. Um, it depends how patient the fans are. I know it's always difficult when you come down from the Premier League because I think inevitably fans think that you should be pushing for promotion. But often there's quite a lot of changes, aren't there? You know, some players have to go. And and if you expect him to maybe sort of be the star player in the first two or three games, I don't think you'd get that to him. I get the impression that he needs to grow into a side really a little bit more. But if you give him a bit of time, I think I think he could do a good job for you. Yeah, well, I think Norwich fans have had to get used to being patient just because of the way they play under Farker. You know, they're playing out from the back and it's yeah. possession football. So it's been a bit of an education for quite a lot of Norwich fans during his time in charge. But um, well, that's really interesting. I mean, just finally, that then um, it's, it's, it's good to hear you talking about his sort of creative side of it as well because, uh, I mean, you always have to be wary of supercuts on YouTube, don't you? But you, you watch that <laughs> and you see he, he's obviously happy to pull the trigger quite quickly from the edge of the box which is which is a good asset but you need to you need to have the full package as well not just be able to to shoot from range don't you yeah i mean i think it, if if you're just a shooter i think eventually good players get wise to it you know and they, they don't give you that that space you have to be able to you know also some sometimes friend to shoot and maybe play that passing uh, if you've got good wide players as well, he can bring off full backs in particular he's good at getting because Wigan's full backs love to push on so he he was quite good at getting them into the game as well. So he kind of he's good at bringing bringing your better players into the game, but obviously you can take it by the scruff of the neck himself if if you need to, and 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 it got to put a good quality shot in. And he also seems pretty good with both feet, from what I can tell. Um, so yeah, I think I think he can contribute uh, a number of different aspects to uh, to to Norwich next season. Great stuff. Well, you sold him to me. It's definitely worth giving him a chance. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll give him all a chance. We were the, to be honest, we, in my view, we were the best team in the championship after lockdown. So, and he he played all the games in it. So, you can't if you're playing that well, you can't carry a player, can you? So he's, he's clearly contributed something to to that run of form. Yeah, he got nominated for Player of the Month as well, didn't he? Championship Player of the Month. So, um, no, so yeah. I think Norwich fans are, are just pleased to have signed somebody who sort of who they know because quite often they sign players from abroad who we all have to scurry off and uh, research who they are. But um, well, to be fair, though, with, uh, I don't think many people had heard of Pookie. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> including me when he signed, despite having sixty appearances for Finland or whatever it was when he signed. So, yeah. yeah they they have uh, they've had a, a few um, misfires with their scouting, but they have had some real successes as well. So it'll be interesting to see. But um, if if you guys are interested in following the Wigan situation, then um, the Progress of Unity Pod is at PWU Podcast on Twitter, where, where you can listen to Adam and the guys, and it's well worth following. And yeah, just finally, Adam, thanks for coming on, and, and we'll keep our fingers crossed for you to to see whether that appeal works out for you. Yeah, and obviously good. Good luck for next season, uh, hopefully. Uh, and uh, if we don't win our points up here, we'll try and give it switch a good beating for you. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, cheers. <laughs>